are listening to Meet and Write, a podcast that dives into liturgical worship and how communion really begins after church. Welcome back to part two of our um, conversation here with His Grace Bishop Yusuf as we are talking about liturgical fellowship. Fellowship, maybe for many of us, is just a a very temporal thing, um, and and we don't look at it at a higher context as fellowship, and the highest form of it is our union with God, and the pinnacle of our union with God is at the Eucharistic table. There's nothing that replaces that. That is the pinnacle and the centerpiece of our union with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So we are talking with His Grace about several things we can do for to apply that reality of us to have liturgical fellowship. So one thing I would love to talk to your grace about is our participation in the liturgy. Maybe for some of us, it's easy, especially when we see multiple screens, it's easy to kind of just doze off and just look at a screen and we're just staring at a screen kind of like how we do the rest of our day on our phone or whatever, and we're not really participating. We're just looking at our watch. When is communion? When is it done? Why is he taking so long? And it's hard for us to participate. What would you say to me if I said that to you? Uh, Actually, the word liturgy means the work of the people. That's why a priest by himself cannot pray a liturgy. Even a priest and a deacon cannot pray a liturgy. We have three priest, deacon, congregation. Hmm. So in order to be liturgy, everybody should participate. As uh, your reverence just said, uh, some people come as observant, as if they are going to theater. They are watching a play on, on the theater, and that's it. Yeah. But this is not the liturgy. Liturgy, each one should participate. And I will say two simple things or, or uh, activity to participate in, in each divine liturgy. Uh, when you look at the liturgy book, you will find some responses called congregation. Congregation, I'm expecting every single person in the congregation participate. And there are some very, very easy uh, responses. You don't need actually to learn it. I'm not speaking about Taishori or I'm speaking about uh, like uh, seasonal hymns like yeah. Mighalu or and I'm not speaking about this. Yeah. I think, oh Lord, have mercy. Yeah. How many times in the divine liturgy we, we repeat, Lord, have mercy? And unfortunately, in many, many churches, only one deacon with the microphone, he's saying, Lord, have mercy. Yeah. Uh, when we say, uh, according to your mercy, O Lord, and not to according to our uh, sins, didn't we, all of us, we need to pray this prayer, yeah. asking for the mercies of God? And other simple responses, the Sharubim worship you, the Seraphim glorify you, or Amin, 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 your death, O Lord, we proclaim. H- how one person say, we proclaim your death, and only one person is saying it. Yeah, yeah or we praise you, we bless you, we give thanks to you, and only one person is saying, yeah. where is we here? Yeah. You know? And the responses alternate, some responses we and some responses I. And this alternation has a purpose. When we say we, to emphasize our unity, mm. and we say I emphasize this, my belief, my personal belief as person. So that's why there's uh, alternation between sometimes I believe or we believe. So I hope that everybody attending the divine liturgy participate. And and let me tell you something. When I participate, this minimizes the distraction. Yeah. 
when I don't participate, definitely I will be distracted. Yeah. But if I'm following and coming to each response and participating and seeing it, this eliminates to a great ex extent the distraction uh, in the advantage. The second uh, way of participation, most of the deacon's uh, responses are instruction to the congregation. Some instruction like look towards the east, stand up in the fear of God, but some instruction asking us to pray, pray for the peace of the one holy Catholic and Apostolic Orthodox Church of God. Pray for our Pope, bishops, uh, clergy, servant. Pray for the safety of the world or salvation of the world. I have a responsibility here and I have a duty to pray. When the deacon gives this instruction, then I need to lift up my, uh, my heart and pray. Yeah. But if he's saying pray and nobody is praying, then it, it is, it's not a liturgy. Yeah. It is just a show. We are reading some, as the Lord said, these people worship me by their lips, but their hearts are very far from me. Yeah. So when I stand in the liturgy and I hear an instruction from the deacon say, pray for the peace of the church. Pray for uh, the waters of the rivers. Pray for uh, the, the gifts and those who offer to them. I have a responsibility. In the confession at the end, he says, pray for those who asked us to remember them in the house of God. I need to pray for these people. The, the sick, the travelers who could not attend the liturgy today, or even those who are lost, lost sheep away from the church. I have a responsibility to pray. Yeah. I cannot just listen to all these responses that he can say, pray, 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 and I'm doing nothing. Yeah. And this actually will again emphasize our fellowship because in the same moment you are praying for the peace of the church i am praying for the peace of the church he is praying for the peace of the church she is praying for the peace of the church and the lord told us in matthew 18 if two among you agreed on something it will be given to them from my father in heaven can you imagine if 500 attend the church and praying for the same thing at the same moment yeah. when the church prayed for peter God sent an angel and, and delivered Peter from the prison. You know, can, can you imagine how prayer can, can move the hand of God who moves the whole world? We need actually to, to pray together. And, and this, when we pray together, same prayer at the same time, how a wonderful fellowship. Absolutely. There is no wonderful fellowship more than this. Yeah. You know, all of us, same mind, are praying the same prayer for the same goal, for the same purpose. Yeah, there's so, power in numbers. Yeah. 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 And, and with all respect to everyone listening, the, the, the hymn, Lord Have Mercy, which is what, three, five seconds. If my three-year-old can sing it when she comes to church, then, then, then all of us can do that. With a mask or without a mask, <laughs> you'll be able to pray, yeah. Lord Have Mercy. Yeah, Lord Have Mercy. Um, so now, now to the pinnacle of, of, of our union with, with Christ in, in liturgy, which is communion. What's, like, how do we connect everything now as far as looking at that, that liturgical fellowship, coming, everything pointing down to, to God, abiding in us in a literal way? I think when we come to the communion, this is the actual, actual uh, fellowship. Let me 
explain how. In order to inherit the kingdom of God, you need to be a son or a daughter. So uh, God the Father has one only begotten son. None of us are his children. So the Lord, out of his love, he sent his son to be the bridegroom. And for us to be his bride. In marriage, the two shall become one. So there is a real marriage between the son and us. We read in the book of Revelation about the supper of the wedding of the lamb, of the son of God. And St. Paul said, I betrothed you. And in the parable of the wise virgin and foolish virgin, the Lord introduced himself as the bridegroom. So this principle of he is a bridegroom and what the bride, St. Paul also mentioned in Ephesians chapter 5. So there is a real marriage. But who performed this marriage? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit unite us with the Son, make us one with the Son. How? Through the sacraments of the church. In baptism, you put on Christ. In repentance, cleanse me to be a chaste, beautiful uh, bride without any spot or blemish, fit for the bridegroom, for Jesus Christ. Mm. In, in confirmation, I receive the Holy Spirit. You are the temple of God and the Holy Spirit abides in you which means my members now are the members of Christ. That's why when St. Paul even spoke about sin of adultery, he said, can I take the members of Christ and make them a members of harlot? Yeah. You know? And in communion, I am united with Christ. He who eats my body and drinks my blood abide in me and I in him. So this fellowship in its strongest form, in its complete and perfect form, is in communion. Mm. So we can say you are children of God the Father through our marriage with his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, by the action of the Holy Spirit in the sacraments of the church, mainly, or the sacrament of the sacraments here is the Eucharist, is the communion. Mm. And if I am one with Christ and you are one with Christ and he, he is one with Christ and she is one with Christ, then all of us in the same body will also have our fellowship with one another, but our fellowship with Christ uh, and, and, and the Father, as St. John said. Mm. But St. John said something beautiful. He said, God is light. And there is no fellowship between dark, darkness and light. So when we commit any sin, we become darkness. How can we reverse this? By actually confession and repentance. And also, the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ cleanses us and purifies us from every sin. So by the confession and repentance and by communion, I'm cleansed, I'm light again. I restored the white garments that I received in the day of my baptism. I restored the righteousness of Christ that I received freely as a free gift on the day of my baptism. Mm -hmm. Then actually I have fellowship with Christ, with the Father, with the Holy Spirit, 
with the cloud of witnesses. And that's why in any divine liturgy, in any midnight praises, we mention and we remember the cloud of witnesses because yeah. they are members with us in the same body and also with the community of the believers. W- what a beautiful fellowship. Yeah. And, and, and it, it emphasizes, Sena, that it, it, I'm not coming as an individual, as your grace mentioned. There's plurality in the language of our hymns. Like we're saying, we believe. That I'm, I'm, I'm part of a body, of, of a cloud of witnesses, and for those who are present for liturgical worship. You know, the word individual means non-dividable. Yeah. Non-dividable. So I cannot share my love with, with anybody. I'm not dividable. So before baptism, I am individual. But after baptism, I am just a member in the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. I'm not anymore individual, but I am member organ in the body of Christ, in the one body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and kind of to connect all, all the points your grace has mentioned so far, a common thread as far as communion is concerned. I, I don't want to call out my, my church family, but I, I keep on reminding them, the goal is for us not to come to take communion. The goal is for us to have communion. Of course, the pinnacle of that is communion itself. But the goal is not just to come at the end, just to drive through and just to take communion, but for, for, for us to have communion. And so the liturgical fellowship is, is, is all these points that we have mentioned all together. So it's not just one component. Yeah. Thank you for mentioning this because now, especially with all you know, the registration system, and people say, can just we drive through and take communion yeah. as if, you know, the goal is just to take communion. But I like how your reference said it's to have communion. And uh, as we explained, communion is not only just in taking communion, it's in the offering in the Lamb, it is in the liturgical uh, liturgy of the catacombs, it's in the reconciliation prayer, it is in the uh, litanies, it is in the institution narrative, it is in every step in the liturgy. Mm-hmm. We have communion, we have fellowship with one another. So it's not just about drive through and take communion and leave. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So another point, Sayedna, is I can say, okay, I want liturgical fellowship. I, I, I want all this. I, I'm all in. Okay, but you know what? I, I want to have two Sundays to myself, or, or I want some mornings where I can sleep in. So you know what? Like, I'll, I'll maybe, if I have it signed up involved or not, and say, you know what? I'll come once a month. That, that's my quote-unquote regular attendance. So what would you say as far as the importance or not importance as far as it becoming a rhythm to, to, to my, 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 my schedule, to my habits, as far as regular attendance is concerned? Absolutely, there is no fellowship if there is no regular attendance. During the time of St. Paul, some people start to miss their regular attendance. So in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, he said, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Here he's speaking about their assembly every Sunday to pray the liturgy. As is the manner of some. So he said, don't follow this wrong way. This is the manner of some. No, we should not do this. Uh, but we should exhort one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching, the day of second coming of Christ. Many people right now say the day second coming, we are in the end of the days. Okay, if you feel this way, then actually you need to attend uh, regularly. If we look at the 
first church. We read actually how the, the first church, uh, they actually were regular attendant to the, the prayer in the church. Uh, we read in the book of Acts, and they attended to four things. Breaking the bread, the teaching of the apostles, the fasting, and the fellowship. You know, so they this is part of their life. Yeah. Uh, so I cannot say I have fellowship uh, and just I, I attend the liturgy once a month or twice a month and I skip the other two months. Yeah. Uh, the other two weeks. I'm sorry. In order to have a real fellowship, actually we need to attend every single uh, Sunday, the the day of the Lord. Uh, and the Lord, the, one of the Ten Commandments, remember the Sabbath and, and to keep holy the Sabbath. And the Sabbath now, the day of rest, is the day of, uh, of worship, which is Sunday, the day of resurrection. Mm. As we read actually in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in breaking of bread and in prayer. So the first church, the early church, they actually continued steadfastly. This means they were regular in, in these activities. Mm. The apostle doct doctrines, that is the liturgy of the catacombs. Fellowship, it is the whole liturgy. Breaking bread is the communion. Prayer is like the litanies. So this uh, construction of, of the liturgy, and this actually the peak of how to have fellowship with one another. Mm. What would your grace say then to someone that would say, okay, yeah, I agree that, that we, there needs to be communal prayer, there needs to be liturgical prayer, I need to have that uh, liturgical fellowship. But every time I go to church, you know, there's always uh, people gossiping about me, and that's why I stop going. You know what, it's, if I have my own personal relationship with God, that's all that matters. That's between me and God. The personal relationship, that's all that matters. I don't need to deal with any of that drama or any of those people at church. So, you know what, it's between me and God. What would you say to me if, if, if that was my point? You know, in monastic life, uh, our father of confession in the monastery, he used to tell us that your life in yourself nurture your life in the church and your life in the church nurture your life in yourself mm. which means if I attend the church regularly every day in the monasteries we have liturgy and I take communion every day but actually I don't have my personal relationship in myself with God and my personal time then actually I don't have a real spirituality. Mm. And the opposite is true. If I am saying, staying in myself, reading and praying and spending time with God, but I don't have fellowship with the rest of the believers and communion and the liturgy, I don't have uh, a real uh, uh, spirituality. Mm. And even in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, we saw him going and spending the whole night in solitary in prayer, but also meeting with the multitude and, and have fellowship with them. So the balance between these two elements are very important for a healthy spirituality. Mm. Some people advocate uh, individual spirituality, just have personal relationship with God, 
and it is not it's it's not important to be part of a church yeah just uh, have your own time with, with Christ open your bible pray and when you feel you need to take communion come and take communion when mm. you feel in it you need to fast fast when you feel in it just you want to attend bible study attend so it is not a commitment a committed relationship with the church but it is according to my feeling yeah that that's not the the right spirituality yeah. the the true spirituality i am member in the body of christ i am obligated to be active in the body of christ in in this church as well as i have my own personal relationship with Christ. Mm. You know, we say the body, every organ in our body has a relationship with the brain, personal relationship through the uh, nervous system. But also every organ is connected with all other organs through what we call connective tissue. Mm. So you cannot have organs connected with the brain only and not connected with other members of the body. Mm. You cannot have this. So that's actually for our member in the in, in body of Christ, we should forsake completely the concept of individual spirituality. But my personal relationship with God will nurture my uh, fellowship in the church and also my worship in the church will nurture my personal relationship with Christ. They have Both to go hand in hand. Hand in hand. Yeah, and, and it kind of goes back to what you were saying, Satan, is we say we believe and I believe. So even exactly. in the language, we see both in liturgy. Exactly. So something your grace mentioned uh, in a sermon before was, was diversity when it comes to liturgy. If your grace can elaborate on what, what that is. Going back to the concept of fellowship, did Christ come to one nation, one race? No. He came to save the whole world. And we read in the book of Revelation from every tongue, from every tribe, from every language. So the true church that have fellowship is a multicultural church to be an icon of heaven. Church that's closed on one language or one culture only and not open to other cultures and not open to other languages is not the icon of heaven. Mm. It's not an icon of heaven. So to have fellowship with one another, uh, we need actually to have this diversity, but diversity in unity, meaning all of us who have the same faith, all of us who have the same doctrine, all of us when we say the creed, we believe in one God, God the Father, we say it, or Lord's Prayer. We can say it in different languages, but with the same faith. So, as in our body, we have different organs. Each organ is different, completely different. Eyes different than the ear, different than nose, but they all work together in harmony. And St. Paul said in Galatians, in, 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 in Jesus Christ, there is no Greek or Jews, there is no rich or poor, there is no black or white. There is no uh, child or, or uh, old man. All of us are one in Christ. There is no male or female. All of us are one. 
So the church should be welcoming and open to all the culture in order to be icon in heaven. Yes, all cultures, not with their own belief system, not with their own theology, as we explained before, yeah. but one faith, one doctrine, but from every culture. Absolutely. And That's it, the, the fellowship, true fellowship. Yeah, and so liturgical fellowship is, is not bound or limited by any specific culture or anything that would tie it down. It transcends time, as, as your grace mentioned. If we're with a cloud of witnesses, it transcends any culture. So the, the icon of, of, of heaven, as your grace mentions, the church, should be multicultural in essence. Yes, truly. Thank you, thank you, Satan, for your time on, on shedding light on what liturgical fellowship is. And I pray that for myself and for all of us listening, that we can make, now we're not just hearing this, this podcast, but that we can make this a reality the next time we enter into church and we can live this uh, in our breath every day. So thank you again, Satan. Thank you. You have been listening to Meet and Write. For more episodes and resources, make sure to check out CoptaKimsInEnglish.com.